0: Show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be talking to Jim Dalrymple of the Loop at LoopInsight.com, and also John Martellero at the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com about the curious purchase of Motorola Mobility by Google. You'll also have a home networking update from Karen Sol. At Cisco. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. Yeah! We have Jim Dalremple of The Loop at LoopInsight.com. And I guess the biggest subject in the tech world this week so far is this surprise the proverbial silk purse from the sow's ear. Google acquires Motorola Mobility. Now, in the old days, Motorola was the big king of the hill in terms of mobile handsets. They had the StarTech. and then they had the Razer phone, and then, eh, So what's this all about?
1: Well, you know, Google needs, I I think, not only a, a handset, but they also wanted to protect Android. And I think that's what people think that this comes down to more than anything. I mean, last month there was Apple and Microsoft going after the Nortel patent, and that cost them about four and a half billion dollars. Well, Google bought Motorola Mobility, and got seventeen thousand patents that they own now, and another seven thousand that are, you know, waiting to be approved. So they paid twelve billion for twenty-four thousand patents. And, you know, they basically get the mobile division for free.
0: Yes, but just consider it this way. Didn't Google have the chance to participate in this Apple consortium? Supposedly, according to Microsoft's lawyer, they were invited to participate and they said no.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, there's been talk going around maybe this was Google's plan all along. Because by putting in a bid on its own of, of $3.14 billion, they bid for those, lost them. So now they can say, well... We bought Motorola, and now everything is fair, even though one has 6,000 patents and one has 24,000 patents.
0: Right, but the other issue being that Motorola isn't just a patent portfolio. Motorola builds mobile handsets. And I'm thinking here, if I was HTC or Samsung or any other Android licensee, I'd be freaking. Of course, publicly, they're not going to say, we're freaking. They're going to say, oh, great, really?
1: That's kind of funny when you see the responses from the Android partner, they're all basically exactly the same. <laughs> you know, I mean they read exactly the same. It's like Google gave them a template and said, Fill this out <laughs> You know, so there's nothing really that uh, that any of them can do. I, I I wouldn't be too pleased if I was a Google partner because earlier this year Google started to tighten the reins a bit up around Android so that carriers and and partners couldn't modify it as much. Uh, because there was a lot of talk about fragmentation and things like that. So now you have Google with its own handset company, you know, you know that they're going to develop something. You know, in, in the Google space, it'll probably be, uh, be a pretty good phone.
0: We know that Motorola has been able to build pretty good phones, but not lately. I mean, if you look at the Motorola Zoom, as far as tablets are concerned, it didn't do well at the marketplace. The Droid phones that Motorola builds, are they any better or flashier than the ones from HTC and Samsung?
1: No, it seems that, that people have, have kind of lost, um, I don't know, maybe they've lost touch with Motorola, or Motorola has lost, lost touch with them. Um, you know, they like you said, they used to be uh, a really good handset maker. They used to have some, some really cool things that people enjoy, but... Not so much in the past few years and and they don't really sell a whole lot of smartphones, although they have you know a couple of popular ones so it it seems it seems like Google picked the uh the bottom of of the barrel uh with Motorola, which is probably a, a good thing for them to do.
0: Yeah, but you don't think that Samsung and HTC would sell their mobile handset division to Google. What choice did Google have? If they look at all the companies out there, well, Motorola at least has the manufacturing and development facility. But the other issue here is, you know, if Apple buys a company that builds something, Apple knows how to run companies that build things because that's what they do. But Google doesn't know how to build anything.
1: Well, I mean, Google is going to leave the Motorola Mobility as a separate entity. So, you know, in itself, it knows how to build things. What Google has is the ideas I think that Motorola has been lacking. And Google can go to Motorola Mobility and say, or Google Mobility, whatever it's going to be called, and say, this is what we want, and get them to build it. You know, I really think that over the past um, probably almost 10 years, Motorola has really lacked uh, that kind of vision. So The Google- inspiration
0: comes from Google, but didn't Google influence the development of the Nexus One, which was built by HTC? That didn't go anywhere.
1: No, it didn't. But, you know, that's when we come back into, you know, Google will make a, a phone like the Nexus One and... You know, Maybe more importantly, like is going around today, the patents that Google has. You know, adding those patents is going to be huge, especially these days where, you know, patent lawsuits are cropping up all over the place. Google feels kind of hard done by. So, you know, that's why we're saying that Google paid $12.5 mm-hmm. $12 billion for the patents and it gets a hand tape maker for free.
0: Well, okay, you but know? to understand, too, that Motorola has had these patents for years. Have they been... Well, they are suing Apple for some things, but do those patents compensate for the ones that Apple owns and this consortium of people who bought the Nortel patents?
1: Well, and that's that's a big question. I mean, with so many patents, there's no way to know what, everything that's in there. But clearly, Google saw something in there that they wanted.
0: They said, "We look, we've got to be like Apple. We've got to have a tightly integrated smartphone ecosystem where we control the manufacturing, not just the operating system, so we know that any of the Android smartphones, at least that come out from Motorola, will meet our standards. Whatever standards we set, they will provide them. They can't change the operating system. You'll get the pure vanilla version of Android, no changes from the handset makers. But then they still have to go to the carriers and say, okay, now we need to modify our contracts And these contracts have to give us full control like you give Apple, because right now they don't have that kind of control. Motorola doesn't have the control to stop Verizon from modifying things or AT&T or any of the other companies they deal with.
1: You would think that that Google would definitely want something like that. I mean, nobody seems to have the control that that Apple does, but look at what Apple's been able to bring. You know, I mean... Apple, when they first released the iPhone, the cell phone smartphones since the time the iPhone has been released have changed dramatically. And that's because of Apple's design. But I don't doubt that Google will have a a bit more control than what cell phone makers were used to getting in the past because they can bring something new to the market.
0: Well, obviously, they'll bring consistency. I guess they'll bring the ability to have your Android device, at least the ones with the Motorola product label on it you'll have the opportunity to be assured that any time there's a new software update from Google, it'll be pushed. You'll get it. You won't have to worry that Verizon will let you have it or AT&T or any other carrier in which they deal. So I suppose they can get a better ecosystem, but it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Zune in the sense that Microsoft double-crossed its partners and created their own product for their own ecosystem for music. Now we have Google buying a handset maker, making that obviously the preferred partner. No matter what you do, no matter what spin you try to provide, Motorola is, among equals, first in line.
1: I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's, that's why, you know, if you're HCC or, or Samsung, you really have to be worried. And, you know, are, are these people going to continue to use Android? Most likely because there's not a whole lot else out there. I mean, HP has its own OS and Apple has its own OS and RIM has one, um, although RIM doesn't seem to be doing much. But still, all the other handset makers pretty much have to use that. Nokia is going to go with Microsoft.
0: We understand that, and we'll cover a whole lot more of this with Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at LoopInsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
2: When making important financial decisions, you should always know the facts. That's why Midas Resources is willing to pay you to read the facts. Midas Resources, a team of hand-picked financial specialists with decades of financial experience who are ready to provide you with state-of-the-art, up-to-date financial services. Midas Resources offers a host of services and stands behind their products. In fact, if you call and order their free Midas report, Midas Resources will pay you. This detailed report will provide you with financial history on the safest and most profitable areas to invest in. If you read the report, Midas Resources will send you a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar. So what are you waiting for? Get the facts and call Midas Resources toll-free at 888-292-2709. That's 888-292-2709. And remember, if you read the Midas Report, you'll receive a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar.
3: Big Berkey Water Filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey Water Filter products, but increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water, and because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50 and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today
5: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
6: We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at Technightall.com. That's news at Technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com
0: We have Jim Dalremple of The Loop at loopinsight.com I'm Gene Steinberg You're in the Tech Night Owl Live and we're exploring the decision by Google to buy Motorola Mobility The vestiges of the mobile handset division from Motorola for $12.5 billion all cash Certainly Google has the cash Certainly, we can understand why they're doing it in a lot of senses, whether it will work or hurt the Android ecosystem, because now other companies will feel double-crossed. You have to think about it. Now, wasn't there a story also that Motorola was very recently, I guess before this acquisition was planned or discussed, planning to roll out their own operating system for mobile handsets and tablets? Isn't that true?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Motorola was... Was kind of hedging their bets there, and and picking up another company that they could use to make an iOS, WebOS type of of operating system. But you know that technology and patents that that company had can be used by Google as well. So there's a lot of things that that Google gets that uh, you know are outside of the. Just the handsets themselves. For instance, Google is going to pick up the uh, the set top box that was rolled off into the mobility division uh, when Motorola split the company.
0: Right. Motorola makes set top boxes for cable TV companies.
1: Right. So okay, they they
0: compete with Scientific Atlanta, which is a division of Cisco. But in as much as they do that, I guess Google could use that as a way or a gauge to boost the Google TV initiative that hasn 't worked too well, I mean, we have the situation here where Logitech was providing the review, and the review was what three four hundred dollars and they reduced it to ninety nine dollars because nobody wanted them
1: yeah you know i I, I think what what these companies don't understand or maybe they understand all too well is that apple has this this whole ecosystem that it's hard for the companies to deal with. not only does Apple have the hardware but they also have You know the software and the music and everything else and you know that could be in Google's plan to try and build up that ecosystem uh, to compete with Apple because there's no way that you know an HTC or Samsung is going to be able to compete feature for feature with everything that Apple has with the integration and all that kind of stuff so uh, it makes it very difficult for these companies
0: you have to consider the fact also that in this sense Motorola has of course the advantage here they have the court advantage here because they're part of the company that builds and licenses that operating system they are the test labs for anything that the android is going to offer and they will integrate it far better it's going to strangely change the smartphone landscape but you see if these other carriers jump off the google android bandwagon as a result it could hurt the platform wouldn't it
1: well if they do yeah but you know then you're right back to the question of where do they go you know i mean android apple and hp have the most uh, advanced operating systems for the mobile platform so where does htc and samsung go They sell a lot of phones, but Apple's not likely to license theirs. HP may. If HP decided to license the web OS, then Google could be in some, some trouble with its partners, I think.
0: Well, maybe that would give an opening for HP to consider this, you know, that HP could say, you know what, we can get more money out of this if we license this to other companies. And now into the breach, we will come. But yeah. then, of course, it's kind of the same situation, except that HP doesn't make telephone handsets, they just make tablets. So they can say, well, we'll license all the smartphone technology to these other companies. At this point, they can't move tablets anywhere. No one wants to buy the HP touchpad.
1: Personally, I like the WebOS. I think it's uh, it's one of the more advanced OSs out there. Um, you know, and it was developed in part by ex-Apple employees. So... You know, they they know what they're doing, and they made a good OS. It's not as good as, as iOS, in my opinion, but it's still the best one out there besides
0: iOS. And in this particular situation, maybe that is the other answer here because the other choice they would have is licensing Microsoft's Windows Phone 7 initiative, but then we have the situation here where among equals Nokia gets first digs on that
1: yes and you know i don't really know that anybody else wants first dibs on on windows os i mean they, they've they had such a long history in in trying to make the mobile market work and they haven't been able to do it um i i don't think that anybody really wants it i mean you know that's not to say that that samsung uh may not come out with a, a windows mobile 7 phone they they may very well. You know, don't put your eggs in a hole in one basket. But I can't think that that's going to do as well as an Android phone or any of the other ones that are on the market.
0: And then we look at some of the other developments in the smartphone space. Research in motion. Mm-hmm. Kind of troubled there, aren't they?
1: <laughs> uh, kind of. You know, it, I, I just don't understand what these guys are doing. I, I actually I took a picture last week or the week before of the BlackBerry that I had in 2004 and the BlackBerry that was just released two weeks ago, and they look identical. You know, where is their design team? The market in the last seven years has changed dramatically. And, you know, BlackBerry's still releasing smartphones that look like they did seven years ago. Isn't it also
0: true, by the way, that originally when Android was acquired by Google, it was an independent company. They brought aboard Andy Rubin, who, by the way, in the early days, he worked for Apple, in case we forget. Okay, so they acquired Android, but the target then was Microsoft, wasn't it, before Apple came along?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the the targets have changed. The designs have changed. The, the entire market has changed. You know, in that time, we've moved from um, feature phones, which, by the way, Motorola sells a lot of feature phones. And those are, uh, you know, what you would consider just a regular cell phone, not a smartphone like a, an iPhone. Uh, so they sell a lot of feature phones, as does Nokia. So... You know, everybody was shooting at one point for Nokia and then Microsoft with its Windows smartphone platform. So, you know, it, it, that's not the case anymore. Now everybody's shooting for Apple. And you know, I, I just wish RIM would would change. And, you know, people point to the fact that RIM has come out with um, some touch-tone phones and things like that. But those are reactionary products. That's just trying to appeal to people that want um, an iPhone-like device. And you you can't stay in the market forever by releasing reactionary products. I want to see some companies come up with something revolutionary like Apple did with the iPhone. And clearly you could see how design has changed since the iPhone was released. So that's what I would like to see from people, and I don't know that we're going to.
0: Well, the other issue, of course, is just how can you change one of those devices to beat Apple at their own game? We'll get into more of this in a moment. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
7: with the other great quality natural products from Affinity Health products like C Energy Liquid Vitamins, Lose and Snooze, and the One Day Diet or Human Growth Hormone Support, Menopause Specialist for Women, and Joint Specialist. See these and many other quality Affinity Health products for men and women online at AffinityHealthProducts.com. That's A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y, healthproducts.com. Or call in your orders at 877-888-7126. That's 1-877-888-7126. Trust your health to the makers of Ali-C, the world's best garlic extract. Affinity Health Products, the finest and most innovative natural health products available
8: ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with you Hindi and Super Fem for summer toning. Buy Glucosamine Chondroitin 60 cap summer sale price at only twelve dollars colon enhancer 250 caps summer sale price at just eighteen dollars and if your brain's a little foggy we have a great supplement on sale called memory power log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at herbalhealer.com as always new customers get a free catalog with first order herbal healer academy healing the world with nature one person at a time
10: Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call one 800
9: 346 We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800 800- Three four six six eight two nine. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Did you know
11: nuclear radiation is still spewing out of the melted down reactors in Fukushima, Japan and making its way across the entire U.S. continent, contaminating the air, water, and food? Dangerously high levels of radiation are a reality here. As a result, radiation poisoning is a distinct possibility for anyone living in the U.S. unless you do something to protect yourself. How? With Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Without a doubt, Liquid Zeolite is by far the best product to remove radiation from your body. It safely removes toxins and heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee, but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite by calling 800-880-9976. That's 800-880-9976. Or go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com
5: the gcn radio network
11: providing the world with
5: hard-hitting talk radio g c n great talk radio starts here live with gene steinberg
12: it's the tech night owl because you never know what's going to happen next
0: We have Jim Dalremple at the loop at loopinsight.com, focusing first on the curious decision, kind of out of left field here, for Google to acquire Motorola Mobility for $12.5 billion cash. And therefore, have, of course, the first among equals, the platform for Android OS development, and then, of course, the situation at Research in Motion where they've had trouble find their way into the second decade of the 21st century with innovative products, the BlackBerry Playbook nobody wants. But then again, nobody wants any tablet other than the iPad. They're all trying and they're all failing. We have Samsung, I guess, possibly shipping more tablets and other competing companies, but most of those aren't really sold. They're just shipped and nobody buys them.
1: If you look at tablets, they have been around for at least a decade, maybe more, in not widespread use, but in some regular use. Uh, Apple didn't invent the tablet, but Apple perfected the way that we use the tablet in our current lifestyle. And you can bet that they'll continue to modify that as our lifestyle changes. And I think the, the evidence of that is in the marketplace right now. Everything that's being released looks like an iPad, just like almost everything that's being released in the phone market looks like an iPhone. The the companies, in my opinion, are afraid to make a move away from wherever Apple's going because Apple dictates the market.
0: Well, the other issue, of course, Jim, is that it's kind of like the PC market where all PC makers make Me Too products, but Apple change their ways, but you have that too. You have a few of the PC companies like Sony issuing designer products with generic PC hardware.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, everybody seems to be in me too. I, I, it must be difficult to do business like that. I can't imagine trying to do business like that.
0: Well, the other issue I guess we'll talk about here is the fact that despite what the critics say, that more and more of these competing companies will grab market share from Apple over the iPad, it's still the iPad market which in and of itself is separate from the rest of the tablet market. Apple's in a different universe. It's not the same thing as smartphones where they're all playing in the same space.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is an iPad market. And how do you tell, I mean, you know, when Apple, if Apple sold a million tablets in a quarter, that would be a disaster for them. But you tell any of these other companies they can sell a million tablets by copying what Apple does, they'll take it. That's what they're doing. And, you know, they sell a million tablets, and it's
0: great. So a million tablets to them is a big deal. But to Apple, it's nothing. But you look at the end of the game here, it still says Apple has the largest share of the market, the largest share of the developers, and what's going to happen. So we go back to Google and Motorola the issue i guess is that google might feel here okay now we've insulated ourselves from look and feel lawsuits because we have motorola's patent portfolio we can use that as a gauge to go back against apple or keep them from suing us now up till now i would think htc samsung and even motorola they were proxies for google yeah so how's that changed the picture is apple now go after google
1: I don't think Apple's afraid to go after anybody that's that's infringing on their patents. I mean, it's not it's not just infringing on the patents. It, it's you know the the other companies are sort of taking a ride on on Apple's success, and you know it's it's not unreasonable for Apple to want to you know shake those people off and say, look, go get a design of your own, and you know do something with it. But nobody wants to do that because if they get too far away from where Apple is going, then they lose that even million sales, which to them is great.
0: Well, you have to also think here with Google now having a hardware maker, and I can't assume the people at Android OS division are ignorant people. Maybe they do want to try some new designs, but having the in-house manufacturing arm, they have control over the whole widget.
8: I think
1: that would be incredible. That would be awesome. I'd love to see it. You know, Google come out with some new designs and influence the market. I, I think that would be great. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not looking at, at this point. It's obvious that the market is following Apple, but if Google wants to come out and, and try and take that design lead away from Apple, more power to you. You know, maybe people will start following them and Apple will, will be left behind. I doubt it, but you know I, I think google's t v and some of the uh, the things that it's designed haven't been the best, uh, so it would be an interesting fight if they decide to do that
0: and the question is, can Motorola regain their mojo? Do they have people there who can create cutting edge designs?
1: I have no doubt they do, um, especially when you when you team. You know, design people from Google and um, the the engineers and scientists and technical people from Motorola, I'm sure that they can come up with a good device. But then, you know, I would have thought that they would have been able to do it on their own. You know, either Google, like you said, the Nexus One wasn't so great, or Motorola, they haven't been able to put out a decent phone in years. So, um, you know, maybe the two of them together can do it.
0: Still, the Silk's Purse from the sow's ear. I have to say that my son three years ago got a Motorola Razor phone. And he's taking it around the world. He doesn't use it overseas. Otherwise, he'd be paying an arm, a leg, and a foot in terms of roaming fees. But the phone works like a champ. It's a pretty good phone. It's a feature phone. Yeah.
1: But then, you know, so does Nokia's. Nokia's feature phones are,
0: are some of the best. Well, it still comes back to the same thing, as time will tell, how this deal is going to work. Now, in turn, any feeling as to how Apple is going to respond? Are they just going to wait and see, or what?
1: Well, Apple doesn't really have to respond to anything. I mean, it's everybody else that's trying to catch them. You know, so Apple can just sit back and do what they always did. They're They're in the lead for design. They're... If you factor in all iOS devices they are in the lead for operating systems, Apple doesn't have to respond to anything. They can just move on.
0: I suppose they'll be asked that question at the next quarterly conference call, and probably what they'll say is, you know, obviously we'll continue to do what we do and let them do what they're going to do, but we'll defend our intellectual property.
1: Right. Yeah, I would would anticipate that that's, pretty much exactly what they would say you know and i don't think that apple needs to to change the way that they're doing things in order to compete with non-existent products from a google motorola merger you know we don't even know what's going to happen there so uh, apple just needs to keep going and And the other problem with mergers
0: and acquisitions it slows what a company does while the merger is being consummated. Remember, it has to undergo regulatory approval. That's gonna take it until 2012. And then even after that happens, they have to decide how to integrate the company. Maybe they'll have some ideas before then, but they will not be able to put those ideas into motion until after the merger is finished. After that, they're gonna be thrust behind the game you know yes i suppose the android os can continue to be developed but you've got this little <laughs> this little fly in the ointment here which is how are we going to continue to develop the same os for all these partners but now we're going to have this other partner who's going to be part of the company so it's possible this will slow and hinder development over the next what 9 months or a year that gives Apple the greater edge. It's kind of like what's happening with Nokia. Well, you have to wait with a Nokia smartphone because they're just starting to come out this fall, I guess, with the ones featuring Microsoft's operating system. You have to think how that helped or hindered the situation. A little bit later, we'll be hearing from Karen Soul of Cisco. But right now, we have Jim Dalrymple of the Loop at LoopInsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out live. <laughs>
13: You know that drinking pure, high alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health. And most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Alcavision Plasma pH Drops, available only at Alcavision.com, Combine a unique formula of most alkaline minerals available. Alcavision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins and acid, helping you to regain your energy and health. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body to rid itself of acidic waste increases oxygen, and raises the pH of your body to optimal levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only twenty nine ninety five dollars at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A, vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com.
14: Are you tired of spending money for metal canning lids year after year? Then stop! Stop buying metal lids and get Tattler Reusable Canning Lids. Made of USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, Tatler Canning Lids let you safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways that contain BPA, but Tatler Canning Lids are indefinitely reusable and guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning and contain no BPA. Tatler Lids are dishwasher-safe, perfect for standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars and are proudly made in the usa place orders by phone at 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com that's 1-877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com that's reusablecanninglids.com tatler reusable canning lids the original since 1976
7: positive results from satisfied customers of heart and body extract continue to pour into our website hbextract.com
12: this is out from new jersey one day i saw your ad for heart and body extract and it mentioned that it would help me with angina so i decided to order i
15: figure i had nothing to lose
7: heart and body extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects
12: I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone.
7: Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com.
12: I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone.
7: Heart and Body Extract, for a long and healthy life.
5: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Live with Gene Steinberg,
12: it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next.
0: We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live for another session with Jim, focusing first on the mobile space. But now let's turn back to Apple. You have great contact somewhere about what Apple does, Jim. Do you have a feeling as to when the next iPhone is really going to arrive?
1: Oh, I think that we'll see it before the holiday shopping season. How's that?
0: All right. All
1: right. <laughs> I think that would be a a good time to to see it,
0: but of course they hope to see it in the summer now they're talking about September, but maybe not September, maybe october so is that it
8: yeah i would
1: I would think so, yeah, I mean you know when you talk about they expected to to see it, you know I think you're referring to all of us uh that that had hoped to see it in the summer um apple never never said when it would be released, so you know they're they're releasing it on whatever schedule they have.
0: So and the other issue, of course, also is they require certain levels of hardware. They have to make deals with the various component makers. And I guess conceivably it could require certain amounts of time for those contract manufacturers, the component makers, everything to come up with the parts they need. Those parts may not be available in quantities of 20 or 25 million per quarter. As of June, they might be available in September or October.
1: That's true. And let's not forget that September is typically Apple's iPod event, where they release new iPods and have since 2001. But I think you see that start to shift away from an iPod focused event more to an iPhone focused event. And September will be the the month that Apple will will release its new iPhones from now on, in time for the holiday shopping season. So you know the September October time frame, I think is really good time for for Apple to do this.
0: Okay, what about that other possibility here of another iPad, a so-called iPad three with maybe a higher resolution display? There's so much talk of it, but you look at the current iPad, Apple can't. Even keep up with demand or can barely keep up with demand, what's the incentive to produce a new product this year? Is there? Well,
1: that's the argument. You know, I mean, Apple could, like they have a a MacBook Air and a MacBook Pro, you could see, you know, an iPad Pro, uh, something along those lines where. Uh, maybe it has more functionality or more power, um, a deeper resolution screen, things like that. Um, there is no real incentive for Apple to replace the current iPad because it's very fast. It's got um, a good amount of, of space on it for apps and music and video. Um, but perhaps there is a market for something like an iPad Pro. I think that's what people are feeling may come out now. Instead of an iPad 3, maybe an iPad
0: 2.5. This will be the higher price iPad for an extra 100 or $200. It will flesh out the line. And then the other question, which is about different product lines, what about the stories of a version of the iPhone that would come in at a lower price point, maybe a rejiggered iPhone 4? That would serve the low end, kind of like the iPhone 3GS does now. It's going to be the phone they offer for fifty dollars or free with a two year contract. Then you have the full featured iPhone, you know, 4GS or whatever, or iPhone 5, which is the one that commands the full price.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's been there's been a lot of talk about things like that. There's all been talk about the cheaper iPhone serving the pay as you go type market, uh, which is supposedly, you know, pretty, pretty profitable. So I, I wouldn't put it past Apple to try and, you know, figure a way into all of these markets. And it should. If it can bring a cheaper iPhone to uh, those markets and those people, why not? Especially if it's a, a profitable market. They would own that market if they put an iPhone into
16: it.
0: Isn't that kind of like where the 3GS sits today? Because it looks like AT&T is perhaps selling as many or more of those than they sell of some of the Android smartphones.
1: Yeah, and, you know, if they take it uh, up a level, which they, they have done in the last couple of versions, and put, you know, the latest uh, phone at the most expensive, and then, you know, keep going down from there, it's, it's hard to tell, you know, where an iPhone could fit in. You could have an iPhone in all levels. And just kind of, you know, put them all in there, uh, shoehorning one for the uh, for the really cheap end, and keep going from there.
0: Now, looking at the picture for the next year or so, while the deal with Google and Motorola is being dealt with, you don't expect to see things change very much, do you?
1: No, no, not not in the the short term. I mean, I think now you're going to have to start looking at the. The deals that will go on in the patent race—you know—I won't sue you for this one if you, and and you don't sue me for that one, and you know things like that, or you know there's there's deals put in between handset makers and iOS or OS makers and things like that. I—it's hard to tell where this is going to go. I don't think anybody really knows right now. You have to also wonder
0: about Microsoft. Also, would Microsoft look to acquire a small? smartphone manufacturer to better compete in this space? Because suddenly they're going to be left even further behind because they don't have anyone but Nokia, and Nokia is just a licensee. It's not the company they can control, or can they?
1: Well, that's a good question. You know, and that's been questioned since the day that uh, happened, how much control Microsoft has over them because you know, Nokia was losing a share, um, in the smartphone space, and I think they still own the, the feature phone um, market share lead, but you know they they're going down in the the smartphone space. So that's that's difficult. Microsoft can bring them up. Maybe Microsoft will just buy them outright. That's a
0: question too. What would it cost for Microsoft to buy a company like Nokia in terms of market cap? They can't do it for twelve and a half billion. Nokia is larger than that.
1: Yeah, Nokia is huge that would be uh uh, and maybe microsoft will go for somebody like htc
3: right you know they
1: they can keep the deal in place with with nokia uh but then all htc phones become windows phones i i don't know i don't know that people would like that i don't know that people would buy them regardless i mean if htc stays the way they are i think that you know with google that people will buy those phones uh, a lot of people that I've talked to like their
0: HTC phones, and you know that's that's great. So it doesn't right. change in the short term. The problem these companies will face happens next year. Once the deal is consummated, they got to kind of see: is Google going to keep their promise or not? We don't know if Google is the kind of company that keeps its promises to third party partners because it's kind of new for them too.
1: Yeah, yeah, I. I you have to think that these other handset makers are are looking around, you know, trying to figure out what, what their other options are.
0: Scurrying madly.
1: <laughs> I would be.
0: <laughs> hoping and praying they're going to find something, some salvation out of this. Or maybe hoping that Google will become a better competitor to Apple by having its own manufacturing arm. Therefore, if the Android OS space... Improves well, they'll improve too. But then they have to compete with the company that's building their operating system, and that's going to be awkward as anything.
1: Well, yeah, a better a better competitor uh, for Apple uh, out of Google does not necessarily mean that HTC will be be a better competitor for Apple. It means that Google will be, but not necessarily its partners.
0: And we have to also see here. If Apple will think in terms of its lawsuits, whether it's going to be forced into making some kind of cross licensing deal, kind of like they did years ago with Microsoft, Microsoft and Apple get along well these days, they solved all the licensing issues years ago, no more problems, maybe they'll have to do it with Google. And it'll be a free market in the sense of competition, we don't have to worry about the lawsuit of the week anymore. The lawsuit yeah. of the week club will disappear. I mean, Whatever you think about all the platforms, these lawsuits over patents got to be getting old real fast. It's expensive for everyone, win or lose. Nobody knows where they stand. Apple knows. Google has got to question it because they still have the lawsuit out there with Oracle over Java, which is a basis of the Android OS. It's got to be confusing. And we know you're going to cover it over at The Loop. Tell us more about your site and how we can check things out.
1: Well, the the site is loopinsight.com. Um, I uh, I like to focus on, on Apple things, but uh, I do discuss a lot of technology issues and, and things that go on in the technology world. Personally, I find it all very interesting how how everything lays out. But I have very strong opinions, and I tend to just let those out on the site. So,
0: As you did Stop. here. As yeah. you did here. Loop. <laughs> Insight.com is the site. Jim Dalrymple, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for watching.
4: extras that we've made or from what we need to exist and now impinges on us and bears down on us and weighs us down so what's what's the final outcome going to be on this meg real quick um
17: i'm not quite sure i mean it was a big success today i think a lot of people saw the problem and they supported us so let's it see
4: let, let's see more of it meg let's see more free talk right. live 855-450-free meg thanks for the call
6: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: From Cisco, the network people, Karen Sol joins the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. And we're going to focus on home networking, about a new product they have, and also about preparations for back to school. Now, in some parts of the country, like here in Arizona, we're back to school already, you know as you probably realize, but in other parts, they're just preparing for it. So when it comes to networking, Carol, at home, what do we need to know to prepare our son's daughters for the back-to-school experience?
17: Well, as you know, um, all the kids want the latest and greatest and the coolest tech tech toys as they go back to school. And just getting ready from at least a home perspective you, you want to take a look at your, your home network that you may have now or if you don't have one and are considering getting a, a home network which includes like a wireless router there's a couple things to think about uh, there are a few routers on the market that are called wireless G and they're also the latest wireless N technology well is called wireless N and the difference between both of them is the wireless N is going to give you speeds up to 450 megabits per second which is really quite fast and wireless G gives you speeds at up to 54 megabits.
0: So- I was going to ask you a question here, Karen. We've had wireless N for a few years now. Do we still see some G routers available anymore?
17: Oh, yes. You, see, you still see a lot of wireless G in the marketplace. Um, but wireless N has been in the market for some time. It was ratified, meaning that it, it has its final standard. It was ratified last spring. So for about a year or so, it's been the final, brand new, latest standard when it comes to wireless technology. So, so obviously, it's obviously. faster.
0: Now, what else? A bigger uh, range?
17: Yeah, obviously, a lot faster, like you said. And then range is also going to be a lot better. So if you have you know homes that you know have a lot of maybe stucco in the wall or or made from cement, or maybe you have homes that you know have a, um, two, maybe even three stories. Um, you you know, wireless N is going to provide you a great base for getting really good range around your home and then providing speed into each of the rooms where you may have computers or devices.
0: Now, one question I'll ask here, what is the normal range of wireless N or is it so variable depending on the home?
17: Yeah, it's really variable depending on the home um, because you have to look at a couple things that are going to degrade your signal a little bit. You know, as I mentioned, um, cement walls, if you have um, homes built of stucco, if you have homes built of brick. Um, and then if you have your home, if it has a lot of mirrors in it, mirrors also degrade the signal pretty significantly. Or if you have a home that's set up where, you know, your kitchen or your bathrooms are really close to bedrooms, they tend to degrade just because in the bathrooms there's there's mirrors, of course, and then there's pipes for all of your, your plumbing. And in the kitchen, you, you probably have appliances and appliances are made of, of steel, so they tend to also degrade the signal. So with wireless N, it really helps pass all of those things that would cause some blockage or even some interference. So wireless N really is the greatest technology for, for homes today.
0: Okay, I know I had problems in this apartment when the Steinberg family moved to this particular apartment. I had pretty decent wireless reception elsewhere. Here, and we're not talking about a huge apartment, a you know, pretty normal-sized three-bedroom apartment with a fairly large living room, from my office section to the master bedroom, the signal would just about disappear.
17: Yeah, that, that does happen just because of what we talked about. There's some things that degrade, but there are new products on the market that we just brought just to market about a week ago. And
0: it's a range extender. Ah, now that I want to ask you about that, but before we do that, let's look at the routers themselves. At what point do we need to extend the signal? Yeah. So we get the basic router, and you've got a number of different ones we've talked about before, such as the E four thousand two hundred, which is I guess your top of the line home router. Great. Now, what is that offering, and at what point do you have to go to the range extender? Yeah,
17: so the the highest end or top of the line product, like you mentioned, is the E four thousand two hundred. And that product is a dual-band router. And what I mean by dual-band means that it has two wireless routers basically built into the one device, which means you can have two wireless networks running in your home. And why you might need this is for a couple things. One, you may have a home office, and you don't want the rest of your family interfering on all the things that you're doing maybe for office work. So you could put yourself on one of the bands. And then put the rest of your family on the other band, and then there's no interference between each other's networks. Or let's say you um, move into a new apartment with roommates, and you don't want your roommates sneaking on and getting onto the things that you don't want them to do, so you could put yourself on one of the networks and put your roommates on the other band. Um, and another another example would be let's say you have um, a lot of entertainment devices like internet-enabled televisions or you have your Xbox or you have devices that are very high in entertainment and streaming. You could put them on one band, which might be the five band, and then put all of your computers on the two point four band, and then you will have dedicated streaming to all the devices that require a, you know better bandwidth.
0: Now, it's very common to have so many wireless devices. I'll give you an example of our home. So we have, of course, the main computer is wired. We understand that. But then we have one printer, an all-in-one printer, is wireless. My son is home for the summer. He lives in Spain. And he has his computer, which is wireless. I have a notebook computer, which is wireless. We have an iPhone. We have an iPad. We have an Apple TV. And we have a network interface from our satellite provider, so we've got tons of stuff on the network how many items can you put on an end network before things go astray
17: that's a great question and that is really why wireless n is starting to become a lot more popular in the home just because of what you said is that there's so many more devices coming on and the more devices you start putting on it starts to take away the bandwidth so you don't get good streaming so on a wireless home network When you hit about 16 to 19 devices, that's when you're going to start seeing an impact on bandwidth if they're all running at the same exact time. So if you have a home with about 19 devices, you should be fine because... Um, Otherwise, we start thinking of of maybe your house as a fraternity where you have many, 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 many people all um, on the Internet at the same time.
0: In that case, should you be setting up separate routers, getting a faster Internet connection if they have one available, or does the extender help? But the extender basically adds to the range. It doesn't add to the number of users, right?
17: Correct, yes. The range extender helps. Get the signal in rooms where you don't have a signal, or you tend to find that your signal is dropping a bit. That's where the range extender would really help in that scenario. Uh
15: Um,
17: To get more devices on, you know, a network, you might want to consider having um, another router. But it 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 tends to be hard to find, you know, homes that have more than 19 devices connected and are all being used at exactly the same time.
0: So the issue here is not the number of items so much as the range, the transmission. We're talking about basically a two-way radio here, aren't we? That's
17: right. That's correct.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we have to basically deal with the constraints of two-way radio, and of course, it's not predictable from place to place. I mean, I can't go into a home and figure out what I need in advance. Can I?
17: Well, I mean, if you were to get the the latest the top-of-the-line router, like the E4200, you're pretty much covered, and you've also future-proofed yourself for the future because of uh, it even has equipped the, the next um, technology that's included in, in one of the bands. So you've pretty much future-proofed yourself for a few years. Now, so and you no say
0: next technology, the, in what sense is that included?
17: Well... After wireless end, they're saying that the next version of wireless is called 802.11ac, and it's the next generation of wireless that's gonna be coming you know, in a few years. And so they've already had some specs that are, um, you know, com- companies are starting to embed um, so that it can also help be backward compatible. So the E4200 has a few of those specs in it so that it is helping to future-proof um, for the future.
0: Does that mean it magically gets faster with a new standard, or what?
17: The next standard will add a couple things like you know speed and, and range, and then also adds a couple other features um, that at that time might be needed for streaming video or whatever the next latest technology might be.
0: So we all live in this wireless soup, don't we?
17: We do. Uh. But if you just think while it's in, I think that, you know, that one that one letter is going to, um, you know, suffice you for, for quite a while.
0: We have and, Karen Saul. She's the so- communications manager for Cisco. Of course, those are the people who do all the networking stuff out there for the home and businesses. And she's going to hang around for a while with us. We'll go into more of the ins and outs of home networking. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Tech Night Out Live. Mm-hmm.
15: Alan Olson with Midas Resources, senior gold and silver broker since 1978. Over the last 3,000 years, gold has been a storehouse of wealth and has survived nearly 500 paper fiat currencies. Since the 1970s, the fiat U.S. paper dollar has lost over 90% of its purchasing power and is decreasing every day. With the U.S. government that is bent on reckless spending, gold and silver, over are your only safe havens of protection for your hard-earned paper dollars please contact me alan olson at 1-800-686-2237 extension 127 with your questions or purchases let's work together to preserve your assets 1-800-686-2237 extension 127 again one 800 686-2237, extension 127.
2: Local Army-Navy surplus stores are hard to find these days, but not military-issue supplies. They're right here online at mainmilitary.com. That's right, just like the state, M-A-I-N-E, military.com. We have everything for true total preparedness. MainMilitary.com is not a typical website. It has much more than your old surplus store. Quality military-issue survival gear like canteens, mess kits, utensils, gas masks, filters and chemical suits, magnesium fire starting tools, strike anywhere, waterproof and storm matches, first aid kits, splints, tourniquets, parachute 550 cord, military. Manuals, sandbags by the bail, and a huge Molly assortment of vests and pouches for every need. Call 207 989 6783. 207 989 6783. Or visit mainmilitary.com. That's M A I N E military.com. The main name in military supply.
18: What nutrition are you missing that's leading to the four major diseases? Cancer, arthritis, heart disease, and Parkinson's. There are at least 80,000 medical studies that show a lack of the protein glutathione to be linked to cancer, heart disease, Parkinson's, macular degeneration, lung disease, digestive diseases, diabetes, Alzheimer's, ALS, rheumatoid arthritis, and lupus. In all, at least 68 diseases... What is the number one food by which your body is most empowered to increase its glutathione production? It is undamaged whey protein from grass-fed cows. One World Whey is truly the first undamaged whey protein powder on the market. All other whey proteins are damaged by heat, chemicals, and filtration. One World Whey is now the standard by which all other whey protein powders can be measured. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit... OneWorldWay.com That's OneWorld W-H-E-Y dot com
5: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
6: We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night All Live just send it to news at all.com That's news at all.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightall.com slash radio. That's technightall.comslash radio. Or check us out at iTunes.
0: We have Karen Sol. She's communications manager for Cisco. We're focusing on the ins and outs of home networking. Just parenthetically here, Karen... Are there testing appliances one could use to check out your network before you buy the equipment, or just buy the most powerful you can afford?
17: You know, there's really nothing that you could test out. I think that when you walk into a retail store and you see all the different types of routers there, you're going to see different you know costs anywhere from you know say fifty nine dollars up to one hundred and seventy nine dollars. And each one, you know, has different features in it. If you get the, t- the highest price one, you're obviously getting, you know, all the latest and greatest, newest features and functionality, functionality in the router. If you go for a, a lower cost one, you're just going to get the basic um, technology, which you'll get the speed, but you may not get all the additional amplifiers that give you additional range, and you may not get some you know, other features. So you have to decide, how are you using your home network? Are you just using it for Internet surfing, for connecting your laptop, or are you a pretty heavy user where you are streaming video over your TV and, and downloading um, movies from Netflix? Are you a big online game player? Do you have a media server? Are you using your tablet quite often? So if you are doing all of these things a lot, you might want to consider... Getting a router that has all of the speeds and feeds that are included.
0: Now, the important thing to mention here is that the N standard is an international standard. So it doesn't matter if your computer is from Apple, from Dell, it doesn't matter. It's an international standard all these devices should communicate with one another. Now, there's another thing here, especially in an apartment complex like I live, where you have neighbors around you, and of course, they all have wireless networks of one sort or another. What about the prospects of interference? Their wireless network is interfering with your ability to get your wireless networking working at top efficiency.
17: That's a good question, and it's something to you know to take a look at in terms of security, even. Wireless N runs off of two bands. It runs off a of 2.4 gigahertz. Band and it runs on a 5 gigahertz band if you have dual band. If you just buy a regular or a, or a single stream wireless end router, it's going to be on a 2.4 band. And yes, there are devices that are in your home that run on that same band, like microwaves, garage door openers, baby monitors, those kinds of things. Those devices could interfere with your wireless network if they're being used or within a very close proximity of where your router is sitting in your home. So you want to, you know, take a look at that and make sure that, you know, your router is not sitting right next to your microwave or maybe your baby monitor, you don't want that sitting right next to your router. So just be, you know, aware of that and not putting other devices that are close to the router because they could interfere with.
0: Now, in our example, there was one item I left out of our home networking configuration. We have a wireless alarm system and we got wireless because the people who own this development didn't want us cutting into the walls to set up an alarm so we got wireless alarm guess what it's wi-fi okay so there's more things there can and i didn't know by the way and i'm glad you mentioned this the microwave the family microwave in the kitchen that's on the same band (laughs)
17: <laughs> yeah, it, it has uh, <sighs> interference on 2.3 gigahertz bands. So, so yeah, So that's why I was saying don't put your microwave and your router right next to each other.
0: Before we go into the new extender, I want to talk about tuning up your wireless router. And you have something okay. called Cisco Connect, so it helps you set up your router from scratch. And it takes okay. you through all the automated stuff. And the first thing that you do, which I like, and a lot of other companies don't do this, and I have to caution our listeners that Cisco is not a sponsor of this show. I use their products and not sponsor the show. If they wish to join us, we're always happy to welcome them. But seriously, the point is here is that as part of the setup process, it gives you a strong network name, a unique network name, and a strong password. Explain why this is important to people.
17: Yeah, that is very important because in the old days when we were selling routers, when we shipped the product, it was defaulted to a password. And that password, as probably everyone knows, if they have an older Linksys router, that password was Linksys. So if somebody were to go buy a house and were to do a search for network, they would see a Linksys network show up. So that means that all of the settings and all the security and passwords that were set when you bought it out of the box have not changed. That means anyone can come by your house and probably get into your network. So, even if you just change the name from Linksys to something you can remember, you know, something, you know, unique or different, then they're not going to know that it's all those default settings and those default passwords. Which is why now with Cisco Connect, when it comes out of the box, it automatically resets the default to a new network name, and then it also changes the password. So, anyone that's coming by your house will have no idea what the passwords are, and then they would have to spend, you know, years sitting outside of your house trying to hack into it. So it's a really cool feature that's going to protect you, and you can feel really secure knowing that your wireless home network is safe from, from hackers.
0: Now let me tell you, as you were talking on my iMac, I brought up a list of the local Wi-Fi networks. I have our Wi-Fi network with a unique name. I have one with a number. I have one with a name. I have one which says something about Apple that we can't say because this is a family radio show. And, you know, there's total freedom to name your network what you want. You know, they're, right. you're not going to have the network police from Cisco or from some other company come and say, no, you can't use that name. I did see one network called Linksys. Shame on them.
17: Correct.
0: Yeah. Yes, we,
17: that, that, that network should change their default passwords and change that Linksys name to something different. And okay. that will give them the security they need to be secure.
0: Okay, so you're picking in Cisco Connect... A strong user password. But the other question I'd have here is: say you already have the device set up, you want to change your password. Maybe some guidance as to how to pick the kind of password that's going to be difficult to detect or hack.
17: Yeah, there's definitely you know ways that you can go into your browser settings and change the network name in your browser tab because it'll say password or, or it'll say SSID is, is generally the term or the the, the previous term. Just change your SSID from Linksys to you know, whatever name you want to call it. And then in the, in the Settings tab, just go in and change the different passwords so that you can do it through your browser tab, which is in the Setup um, tab of your router.
0: Now, there's another issue, too, of course, about picking a password. It's also the way you encrypt it. In the old days, you had different protocols that were fairly easy to break into. Now you have WPA2. What's all this stuff mean?
17: Yeah, so WPA2 is the latest and greatest, you know, really highly secure protocol for keeping others from being able to hack into your home network. So WPA2 is the strongest security that's out there. All of Linksys routers have WPA2, and I think even if you were to buy any other brand that has wireless N in it, you're going to get WPA2. As long as you make sure you use the passwords or change the passwords, you will be safe from from having hackers hacked into your network.
0: Now, I understand, too, I realize that a lot of you have really old routers. Maybe the router's still working, and you bought it five years ago. It's not an N router. It's a G router, okay? And maybe you go to the store and say, I don't want to spend the 50 100 179 whatever it is for my new router. I want to keep this. But shouldn't we tell them, you know, that's not always the safest approach because they may not have the latest encryption. And those older ways of encrypting your password, you know, any of the people who drive by your home looking to break into someone's network, they can get into that in five seconds. I mean, really.
17: But- yeah, it is a lot easier if you have older routers, which is why it's really important that if you do have older routers, you want to change your passwords every six months or so, or or even every three months if you really want to make sure that n- nobody's getting in there.
0: We have Karen Soule, Communications Manager for Cisco. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Yeah.
19: Before you throw away your used batteries, you need to listen to this. Now, going green can save money. Go green and save money by giving life to your used batteries by charging them with the Renaissance Charger. The Renaissance Charger uses a new revolutionary battery charging technology that effectively extends the life of new batteries and gives new life to used batteries. Invented by legendary audio genius John Bedini, this unique and patented charging system rejuvenates the electrochemical plate structure in the battery without additives. Increasing capacity, and maintaining cell integrity. Renaissance Charge offers a full line of products made in the USA for all types and sizes of batteries. Find out why our customers tell us the Renaissance Charger is the only battery charger they will ever use. Save your money. Save the environment. Visit us online at r-charge.com. That's r-charge.com. Or call us at 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Be a part of the revolution today
9: you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about
10: you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today and I can help. You. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call
9: 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem, guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people, and he can help you, too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX.
11: Did you know nuclear radiation is still spewing out of the melted down reactors in Fukushima, Japan and making its way across the entire U.S. continent, contaminating the air, water and food? Dangerously high levels of radiation are a reality here. As a result, radiation poisoning is a distinct possibility for anyone living in the U.S. unless you do something to protect yourself. How? With Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Without a doubt, Liquid Zeolite is by far the best product to remove radiation from your body. It safely removes toxins and heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee, but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite by calling 800-880-9976. That's 800-880-9976. Or go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com.
5: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN, great talk radio starts here. You never know what's going to happen
12: next while listening to The Tech Night Isle, live with Gene
0: Steinberg. Karen Sol from Cisco, where she's communications manager, is telling you about home networking. And it's not just selling Cisco products. It's advice on what to do regardless of the router you chose, how to set it up for maximum efficiency. And I kind of think, though, because routers are not expensive compared to the safety they provide. If you got a five-year-old router from any company, just put it in the closet and buy a new one, don't you think?
17: Yeah, I mean, it's, maybe it's time because what if you brought home a new tablet or maybe you brought home a new sm- smartphone or maybe you just bought an internet-enabled television? Like, it, You should think of your router being as new as the latest other device that you just brought into your house. And the reason why I say that is because if you are buying these new other gadgets, they're going to have wireless N built in. And if you have all of your devices working with a wireless G router, those devices are going to only be working on wireless G-speed. And if you just bought, you know, a beautiful new tablet, you want it to be running at the fastest so that you could take advantage of all of the features that the tablet's providing you. So, yeah, like you said, I mean, you can get a new N router for $59. And, you know, if you're thinking, oh, I don't want to set it up or I don't want to spend the time... You know, technology has changed so much in five years that you know, when you bring home the router it basically sets it all up for you. So it should only take about five minutes for you to get up and connected and going.
0: So here's the situation, you're spending five hundred dollars for the tablet or more depending on the storage capacity. And you know, tablets except for the recent discounts in the HP tablets mostly are five hundred dollars at the entry level, you go up to eight or nine hundred dollars, you buy a new computer, Mac or PC, you're spending five hundred, a thousand, two thousand dollars. You know, a router is a pretty trivial expense compared to that.
17: And, and you think about it, it's really the plumbing for your house For when it comes to your network. And you always want to have your plumbing working the best that it possibly can so that all of the endpoints are working at their maximum capacity as well.
0: Now, to some degree, does it make sense at all to just wire your house for wired internet and try to give up on the wireless as much as possible? I know it can't be done with a mobile device that you carry around, but what about, you know, if your computer's in the same place, your connected TV's in the same place, does it make sense to have wired for those?
17: Yeah, I mean, if you have a new home and it is wired for for ethernet, it's always great to take advantage of that. But if you're on laptops, you know, devices that are a little bit more mobile, you still have to plug it into the ethernet cord. And so that doesn't really give you mobility. So, you know, having a wired network and then also having wireless at the same time gives you the convenience and the flexibility of of choosing depending on what device that you're using in the house.
0: Now, today, of course, wired networking is still faster, but there's a point with future standards where wireless will be just as fast.
17: Absolutely. I mean, when you're getting speeds up to 450 megabits per second now, it's about half the speed of Ethernet or gigabit. I'm sorry. So, you know, Ethernet is 100 megabits per second, gigabits at 1,000 megabits per second, and wireless right now is at up to 450 megabits, so about half the speed of gigabit.
0: So unless you're sending a large file over, you're not going to see a huge amount of difference, and that's still faster than what your ISP can deliver to you. Let's move into this final section and talk about the need for a range extender. So I'm doing everything I can, and one of the pieces of advice is, in my case, I... Chose a special channel instead of using the auto select, you can actually choose the individual channels of your wireless signal. So, there are ways of basically fine tuning the signal to get the maximum impact. It still doesn't work, you got to have that extender. Where's that point begin?
17: The great thing about the new range extender is when you bring it home and you plug it in, it'll actually give you a diagnosis of where the best place is to put that range extender in your house. So, it'll tell you. Oh, it should go here. And then well, all you do is you walk over to that location and you just plug in the power. And because it has um, a technology button that they called Wi-Fi Protected um, Setup, you press that button and then you press the button on the router and then it configures it all in the background. So it just takes moments. And then it puts it in the right place. So now in those rooms where you were getting dropped signals or you didn't have any access at all, the range will now get into those places.
0: Now, ideally, if you're setting up something like this, it's going to be picking up your signal and then expanding it. It's almost like a cell phone network where it hands it off from network to network. Is it doing it the same way or is it just basically taking your signal and where it's still strong, you stick in the extender and then it just moves it further out?
17: Yeah, it basically is, it, it will tell you to put the, the range extender where your signal starts to drop, and where it starts to drop, that that range extender will take the signal, it'll actually give it a, an amp, like a boost, for it to go further. That's kind of how it, it works from a, you know, a layman's term.
0: Does it also eliminate, you know, noise or distortion in the signal that might cause a problem?
17: Yeah, so if you're getting degradation and stuff like that in those areas, it'll help push through so that you can get the range in, in, in
0: that area, too. So if you're reaching a situation, though, say, for example, you're in the living room or the master bedroom, and you're watching the Netflix stream. We all watch Netflix, although I don't know, with the new Netflix pricing, maybe some people will be choosing other methods. Whatever, iTunes, whatever you're using, you know, you're in an area where the signal drops or the quality isn't quite as good. And at best, Netflix sends down HD video if you have a fast enough connection. So, of course, iTunes for your Apple TV. This is where you'll say, you know what, I can't make it any better. Let me get the extender. What does it cost?
17: The the cost is $89.
0: Oh, okay. So pretty,
17: yeah. I was just going to say, pretty affordable if you're having a, a situation where if you don't have wireless and the only other option is to rewire your house. Obviously, $89 is a lot less expensive than having to wire your
0: house. Now, that's a theoretical question. Maybe you live in one of those really big homes that we see here in Arizona that only people like you and I can lust after. And maybe the president of Cisco has one or Steve Jobs has one at Apple. Seriously, you're in the position here where the one range extender helps, but now you have that guest house. And it's not making it. Can you put two extenders on?
17: Yeah, well, actually, what you could do is you could put a range extender in, you know, to get the signal. And then maybe out in the guest house, we also have a little device called a bridge, which will actually enable another Wi-Fi signal in that guest house, and it'll talk back to the range extender to get a signal out there. Or maybe you have an attic, the same thing. It won't reach all the way to the top. You can put the bridge in there, and it'll give all the devices in that room uh, a wireless connection.
0: Is an attic a decent place to stick a router or an extender?
17: Of course. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people have converted their attics into home offices or maybe into another bedroom, and they really want to get it up in the attic. Or even if you consider going down in the basement, which is you know built from cement and things, it'll work both in the attic or the basement. It really helps get it in those two locations.
0: Which is better, down or up?
17: Um, The best place to put a router is in the most central location in your house. Like if you have an attic, a second floor, a first floor, and a basement, you probably want to put it in on the first floor or the second floor um, because you want to have it you know, most centrally located. Because think of your wireless signal like a bubble. It'll do it in a, in a circle circumference of the signal. So you want to put it in the most central location that you can in your house.
0: So it radiates outward in roughly... A circular direction correct okay tell our listeners where they can get more information about cisco and certainly this new extender is it out is it available now to buy
17: it is it it just became available um late last week and it's available at all the major retailers in in you know america everywhere from best buy to to walmart to staples you know all the major retailers Um, Or you can just go to our website, which is www.linksys.com.
0: Fast question here before we let you go. We have a large international audience. Are these Uh products available outside the U.S.?
17: Well, all of our routers are available outside the U.S. The range extender is coming internationally um, towards the end of September, early October.
0: Does it require any different protocols? Say if you live in another country, my son lives in Spain, for example. He lives in an apartment in Madrid. So does he have to? Other than, of course, that the electrical outlets are different, you have to use an adapter. Is there any other kind of difference?
17: No, there's no difference. It's an international standard, like you said. So it won't matter if it's being used here in the states or internationally, except for the power outlet, which, of course, you can get those little connections that will connect, or you can just buy the the right country version.
0: Right, or you can get the adapter. My son got one. I think at Radio Shack for like fifteen dollars. That's how you do it. Karen, okay. again, it's Linksys.com? That's correct. Okay. Karen Saul, communications manager for Cisco, talking about the Linksys router products, Linksys.com. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live.
17: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Coming up next, we have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer.
13: Take the first step in home security. Install the door sentinel. Standard locks, dead bolts, and security systems can't prevent forced entry. The door sentinel provides door kick-in protection and can be added to your existing security system. The door sentinel is easy to install and will turn your home into a fortress. Make the call 678-648-6757. That's 678-648-6757. Or visit them at S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L securitygroup.com. Sentinelsecuritygroup.com.
16: Meet Jerry D. Hi.
19: Jerry and his family, like you, are very concerned about world conditions and have gathered many emergency preparedness items, including Turtle
20: Tough shelters,
12: we have added two 24-foot Turtle Tufts to our supplies and feel very secure knowing our large family is ready for whatever the future may bring.
19: Turtle Tough shelters are not tents. They are permanent yet portable four-season geodesic frame shelters that are as strong as a cabin at a fraction of the cost and are easy to set up, take down, and move anywhere. Available in two sizes. Get your Turtle Tough shelter and accessories included at TurtleTuffShelters.com. That's turtle... TuffShelters.com or call 801-623-3288 that's 801-623-3288 or see them online at www.turtletuffshelters.com Turtle Tough Shelters your all season home away from home
3: Energy, energy, and more energy. We all need it. Get the energy you need quick through the powers of wild forest extract. Wild chaga and birch bark are the secrets of the forest used exclusively by Russian athletes. Wild chaga is the world's top source of superoxide dismutase, the critical enzyme that blocks the aging process. Chaga is good for your heart and even helps support healthy arteries. Wild birch extract is the top source of betulin, a natural sterol needed by every cell of the body. And healthy cells mean a healthy body, and a more powerful you. No wonder it's known as a king of all herbs. Experience real energy and power like you've never dreamed possible. Take Chago Charge Tea with wild birch bark every day and Chaga Max capsules to get the energy you need. You deserve it. Order today by calling 877-817-9829. 877-817-9829. That's 877-817-9829. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
5: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live
12: with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
0: We have John Martellaro from the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. And in my past weekend summary of the Tech Night Owl Live, we do a weekly newsletter at newsletter.technightowl.com. And you're invited to subscribe. It's free. And I had this comment referring to the new Apple campus, which is kind of shaped like a space station, as the I spaceship. Because one day what's going to happen is that Apple will have its latest development, which is convert that into a starship. And it will take off and go to another star system. But that was a joke. (laughs) But you had an article, John, where you treated that subject quite seriously. What's it all about? And I had to
21: take off on your uh, starship scenario to uh, include it in that. Well, last week, City of Cupertino released some additional information about Apple's proposed new headquarters called the Spaceship Headquarters because it's a giant ring, and I thought... The first reaction I had was, well, how big is it really? Um, because I didn't see any numbers in any of the articles I wrote, but it looked like it was pretty big. And so I, I printed out some of the information, the, uh, the architectural plot, um, a, a Google map that had a, uh, a indicator at the bottom of uh, you know, 500 feet or 1,000 feet, and you know, just got a ruler and, and did a rough calculation to find out that um, it's about 800 feet in diameter. I'm sorry, radius, 1600 feet in diameter, which is pretty darn big. Um, So I posted an article about it and I thought, well, wouldn't it be fun to see how this compares to the Pentagon? Um, (laughs) Turns out that a Pentagon has five sides. It's 921 feet on each side. And if you do a little high school trigonometry, you find out that a circle uh, that would circumscribe the Department of Defense's Pentagon is um, about a little less than 1,600 feet in diameter. I forget the exact number. So these these two are very comparable. And and the, and the rough plot that I did with a wooden ruler, um, uh, I thought that the apple ring was just a little bit bigger than the Pentagon. It turns out I was off. Some of our astute readers dug into the documentation and found that it was 760 feet radius whereas the Pentagon circumscribed circle was something like 780 feet so it wouldn't quite cover the Pentagon it was close, uh, close. but no cigar it, yeah okay. and and given that um, you know um, there were these jokes going around about uh, how uh, uh, Apple had more on-hand cash than the federal government 76 billion you know I, th- I think it tickled people's fancy and, uh, and I found this neat overlay at Wikipedia that showed uh, how the Pentagon compared in size to the uh, to a few uh, ships, the Empire State Building, a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier, all kind of laid out. And um, um, you know, there was a, those were about a thousand feet, so it kind of put it in perspective. And it was a nice, cool graphic. And the article uh, weren't pretty much viral and, and got a lot of. Uh, uh, sensationalism. And I thought, you know, I didn't do any error analysis. I didn't try to estimate, you know, uh, how far it could be off. I thought 807 feet was, for radius was not too bad. with well, the wooden ruler, given that the diagram specs buried down, you know, was 760 feet. So it was a 5% off. And uh, the readers were pretty nice to me about that. They didn't really get on my case because uh, that's about the best
0: you can do with a ruler. Now, it looks like almost a classic space station.
21: It does. And I had this thing about uh, in the article about uh, how, you know, if you could somehow turn it into a starship and and blast off and go over, you know, it would almost cover the Pentagon. And I think that tickled people's fancy, too, because, you know, we have this subcultural uh, thing about, you know, alien spaceships hovering over our cities, whether it's. Uh, Independence Day or Falling Sky or some of these other movies where these aliens sure. come down. And now, Independence Day, and I think they were 15 <laughs> miles across, I think, I think that I recall? into that kind of spectrum. You know, so you so did the same thing you did, basically, and imagined the spaceship lifting off and uh-huh. <laughs> covering the Pentagon.
0: <laughs> wow. So of it, course, Steve so, uh, Jobs wants to take is, over the country. That's the next conspiracy theory. It's, it's, now, of course, on our other radio show, The Cast, we do explore on occasion conspiracy theories. So maybe what we should do here... Is consider the great conspiracy theory about Apple's new corporate campus, but as I said, it's obviously it's not filling that entire area. It's a circle. There's an open yeah. area, yeah, in and there's more forest in, place in the middle the
21: sure. because it's an annulus. So it only has 2.8 million square feet, whereas the Pentagon has six and a half million square feet. And uh, there were some people who uh, you know said, "Well, John, it isn't really bigger than the Pentagon." And I said, "Well, I never really said it was." had more square feet or could house more employees you know i didn't really go into that there's a lot to explore about this building the power management you know and whether there's going to be a turbo lift to move people around and and uh, energy energy uh management with all the sun shining on the building that's always a problem and, and uh, where it's going to get all its power and 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 the effect on the environment a building that big almost becomes you know part of the environment in terms of uh, affecting the environment and so on.
0: So there's a lot to explore about that building. We're going to have fun for years. you got to think here with Apple's emphasis on the environment, green-friendly max. they'll have to do something. Maybe they'll have solar power or something like that.
21: I thought I read something about uh, natural gas being used to sure. self-power the building and stuff like that. But anyway, I, all I did was look at the diameter and it turns out it's huge. It's about a, a
0: mile in circumference. And... Uh, so imagine walking from one end to the other. <laughs> or are they like going said, to have uh, interior monorails or something?
21: Even the Capitol building has this uh, electric cart you know, to move the congressman around. So
0: I wonder, well, congressman I, I, of course, I, can't walk. You, know, you can't expect a congressman to walk to make a living. They have to be carted around. I saw this thing on NBC about how they have to climb a lot of steps every day and move around. Good for them. That's
21: good for the heart. Even
0: even Brian Williams was huffing and puffing following these guys around. (laughs) And they can do it. Maybe that's why congressmen, senators, a lot of them live quite long. And you think they're getting all that exercise, running from office to office to the floor of Congress. All that walking is just doing them... A lot of good. It's not just going out to the <laughs> to the fried chicken circuit or something. Gene, I think you discovered the secret. Is that it? Yes. Yeah. Well, but we have to still look at the theory about an I starship. That Apple really wants to invent a starcraft. They've got someone in there named Zephyrin Cochran or something. Well, you know, there's... If you, uh, by the way, uh, in case case our listeners want to know, let me just explain this. Okay. In case our listeners want to know, Zephyrin Cochran in the Star Trek legend is the person who, in the middle of the 21st century, invents a star drive, warp drive, but that's another story you were about to say.
21: I was about to say that uh, I came across this last week a uh, really neat video uh, where Bill Mayer was interviewing the astronomer Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's the... Head of the Hayden Planetarium, an astrophysicist, and he was uh, concerned about the U.S. space program, uh, possible canceling of the uh, of the new uh, space telescope that we're building, um, and uh, the, the, the reliance on the Russians now to get us back and forth to the space station is. I haven't seen it yet because I don't have Flash installed on my computer.
0: <laughs> I've ripped it out. But, Flash uh, free. So when you see yeah, a message about Flash, you just ignore I, it. I go to another computer. Okay. Yeah, a so Flash we, computer.
21: So he was talking about how we've stopped dreaming, and 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 this spaceship on Earth uh, can be seen as a sign of Apple's great success, but it can also be seen as a as the fact that we're we're spending too much time looking inward. Apple's building us. Spaceship essentially that's bound to planet Earth, while uh, NASA can't seem to come up with a vehicle that can that can put the Orion space capsule back into orbit. And we have no plans uh, to go to the moon anymore or Mars. And and have we have we stop dreaming. Is this a, a temporary technical phase where we're frustrated with space travel? We don't have enough money. Uh, and, and Apple is is sort of. Uh, exemplifying that that earthbound glory of our inward focused technology
8: yeah,
21: lots of interesting questions
0: well, you think though that Steve Jobs probably can put together enough money, not just his fortune but apples to some finance a moon trip just privately, and it doesn't have to be just apple, you know oh, that would consume all of his seventy six billion <laughs> well, you don't have to just have apple, so. I mean you and you've got to think, though, the private industry, one hopes, can be more efficient than the government. Remember, the government spends, yes. what, $800 on a toilet seat? That's space. what Judd Hirsch said in the movie Independence Day. You mean they spend they don't spend $800 on toilet seats or hammers or whatever? There,
21: there's a company called SpaceX that's an independent contractor. That's they're right.
0: They're doing a really good job. Well, maybe that'll be it. Maybe that's what's going to happen. That will be the South Asia the space program. In the meantime, Apple's iSpaceship, or Starship, Depending on what you want to call it's coming. John Martellaro from the Mac Observer joins us on the Tech Night Owl Live. <music>
6: Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: We're back with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer at macobserver.com. We started off talking about iStarship, iSpaceship, iSpace Station, whatever it is to do. Apple Campus, it's going to go up in the next few years. But let's go to a more internal focus on Apple. Back in July, they released mac os 10 lion or os 10 lion what do you think about the branding that the operating system no longer is called mac os 10 i don't know what to make of that yet it uh, you know at the last
21: um earnings report peter oppenheimer said something about a, a product transition that was going to be rather dramatic um one can guess that with the popularity of the iphone and the ipad uh, and the merging of Mac OS X and iOS uh, to some degree that maybe Apple's, you know, dreaming of, of some sort of fabulous combination uh, product. Um, you know, uh, a, a MacBook Air that runs iOS, you couldn't call it a Mac anymore, right? It's just a wild guess. Um, the iAir? Air. <sighs> I am. Oh, that's <laughs> I don't know. terrible. I
0: don't know. I'm just a guess. But usually, the other theory, by the way, John, like that, is that you call the Mac the hardware. That refers to the hardware. That's true. When you refer to operating systems, it's going to be OS. Or they'll bring out some other group of computers. I don't know. Anyway, Lion's out there. They've already got the first maintenance update, which is normal for Apple. It usually takes, what, two to four weeks to get that initial upgrade out there to get rid of the early shipping bugs. So what's your take on it? I understand we have multiple 10.7.1s out there to confuse, befuddle, and otherwise concern us.
21: Yeah, I view it as a a bit of a mess. Um, We were talking in a conference call with the Mac Observer team, and we were thinking that, that maybe the stress of having these very lean teams at Apple, and, and going back and forth between iOS and OS X uh, is putting some strain on the team. There's a lot of loose ends. Of course, any .0 release of uh, OS 10 is going to be rough. This seems to be a little rougher, uh, definitely, than Snow Leopard, which is a refinement. There's some major initiatives in here. Uh, the changing of the way we scroll... Um, uh, auto save uh, mission control um, uh, some of the other features that have been added the auto termination we're, we're grappling with the implications of these things our first reaction is generally a little bit of horror that it changes the way we work and then people like the Mac Observer and other sites write about how to deal with it and we slowly learn how to understand the technology better and so we're not quite so alarmed and then we we learn to reap the benefits of these changes Um, but some of them are a little rougher than we'd like, like Autosave for example doesn't work on a server with versions Alright, explain this to our
0: listeners we're getting into something that's in geek territory here it doesn't work on a server with versions, does that mean if you try to access a file from a server rather than on your local drive Right. You won't be able to take advantage of um, multiple versions
21: of your document.
0: Now, we have to point out here that in art studios, graphic artists will, instead of having their documents on the local Mac, which I think is the best way to do it, for actually doing work on the project, you bring it onto your local computer. That way, if the network is disabled for any reason, you could still work on it. Maybe you have a power outage and you bring it onto your MacBook Pro and you have several hours of battery life, you can continue working.
21: Oh, I think the bigger problem is, is that there's a difference in the way you can expect documents to work uh, locally or on a server, and that could lead to making a mistake uh, where you could lose information. So
0: You're accustomed to having autosave work. Now, let's right. kind of separate this. The normal procedure is going to be Command or Apple S on the Windows side. You have an equivalent function with the Windows command. But the point is that you save your documents. Autosave does it for you, except it requires an application that has been recoded, modified, to work with Lion. And that's only Apple's apps, not all of them, and a handful of others. So suddenly you're into this dichotomy. I'm always used to clicking Command S, Apple S, I'm doing this automatically. I want to save my document periodically. Don't want to lose something in case of a power outage or something. Now, I get accustomed to not doing that, but you can't because it's not consistent.
21: Right. Um, And I don't think there's an easy way to solve that problem, but uh, in general, Apple seems to be more focused on the individual and your life with the Mac in front of you as opposed to it being a multi-user environment or or living in a network environment in the enterprise and, and uh, there's been a lot of discussion about that is, is it because Apple is going to be introducing the uh, iCloud and uh, and that is where you're going to get consistency of, of saving documents um, uh, and try to steal the thunder away from you know local network servers i've seen some discussion of that
0: well one thing thing to what, consider what, what, john what you're gaining with save
21: sure. is more than what you're losing all right because suppose you have a whole bunch of documents open and you're screwing around with a few and then you've got one that's really important and you do a command quit and or you, you start you, you forget which one you have to do a command save on and it's it's just been a nightmare all along the way now when you quit your app everything's saved and you don't have to worry about it
0: well, normally though with a document if there's something unsaved you'll get a dialog prompt saying you know there's some stuff that's unsaved yeah in the old days
21: right snow leopard but in, in lion you just do a command quit
0: and right but if the app saved. is not lion savvy, it's still going to be like the old days that's right. And so I think I'm getting ready to write an article about this. I think and the other problem you, have you also use. have to deal with when you write your article maybe mention, is once you see that dialogue, as you say, you're working in a whole bunch of applications throughout your workday, going back and forth. Someone calls you on the phone. You go off to a lunch meeting. You come back. You quit the app. And you have to think, do I really want to save this? What am I doing? What did I do? What's going on? Maybe... Someone exactly. just went in there and typed one letter. You know, you're in a home office and someone types a letter G or something. So there's an extra G in that document. But you right. don't know about it, so you say, okay, I'll save it. Just want to be there's sure.
21: another thing that people are complaining about. You have what you, you think is a template document, and you load it, and then you make some experimental changes. And guess what? It's of saved on you. Because as soon as you make a change, it's of saved And then you lose your template. And I've seen a lot of complaints about that. But the thing is, is that in the Get Info box for your document, there's a really neat little checkbox that people are overlooking called Template. And if you check that box, it locks it as a template. And so when you double-click on this template document, it automatically creates a copy for you to work with and puts it in front of the old template document, reassuring you that the template is unchanged and allowing you to work on a copy. So the the, the upshot is, is that We need to learn these tricks. We need to educate ourselves. We need to kind of like, you know, learn more about the technology rather than just reading about some troubles that people are having. We need to really understand it better.
0: The other thing is, Apple is the kind of company that looks to change things. And sometimes to get rid of old technology, you have to throw it out. Because otherwise, you're back in the trap of Microsoft where everything is legacy and they have to spend untold, what, millions, billions of dollars to keep the legacy stuff going in <laughs> Windows, but Apple says we don't need that, get rid of it, and it will take a while for the customers to figure it out, but they'll get there. Yeah,
21: yeah I saw And we'll just kind of, quote. we
0: have to kind of push them in this direction, because if we don't make that push, yeah. Yeah, if I we don't make these changes, the they're not going to do it.
21: Yeah, I was reminded of a Henry Ford quote where, you know, he was just going in and doing things, and some and, and somebody asked him a question, he's about you know conferring with the customers and he said well if i'd asked my customers what they wanted they would have said i want a faster horse so okay, you know sometimes sure. apple just has to go ahead and, and carry everybody along to the future well we're looking but we got to we, we learn what they're doing and learn the tricks digest it read the articles understand the limitations develop the technology move along with apple and and try not to fly off the handle
13: at
0: first Well, sometimes they'll make a mistake, but we'll get into that and other things in a moment. We have John Martellaro of The Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
15: Alan Olson with Midas Resources, senior gold and silver broker since 1978. Over the last 3,000 years, gold has been a storehouse of wealth and has survived nearly 500 paper fiat currencies. Since the 1970s, the fiat U.S. paper dollar has lost over 90% of its purchasing power and is decreasing every day. With the U.S. government that is bent on reckless spending, gold and silver, silver are your only safe havens of protection for your hard-earned paper dollars. Please contact me, Alan Olson, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 127, with your questions or purchases. Let's work together to preserve your assets, 1-800-686-2237, extension 127. Again, 1-800-686-2237, extension 127. Big
3: Berkey Water Filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey Water Filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit Big B E R K E Y Filters dot com or call That's 99 Berkey. That's dot com or call eight seven seven ninety nine E R K E Y today.
14: Are you tired of spending money for metal canning lids year after year? Then stop. Stop buying metal lids and get Tatler reusable canning lids made of USDA and FDA approved food grade plastic. Tatler canning lids let you safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single use throwaways that contain BPA, but Tatler canning lids are indefinitely reusable and guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning and contain no BPA. Tatler lids are dishwasher Perfect for standard pressure or water bath canning. Eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion. Fit standard mason jars and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders by phone at 877-747-2793. Or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's 1-877-747-2793. Or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com. Tatler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976.
5: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech
12: Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
0: We're back with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. We started out exploring the new Apple campus or the iStarship or whatever, and then focused on the autosave feature in Mac OS X or OS X Lion, pointing out that if your document is on a server, the feature is evidently disabled, maybe because it has to maintain this constant connection to the document that might not be efficient on a server, might generate too much traffic. Too much noise. Maybe that's the reason. But does Apple notify you of this? I mean, if you have your document on a server and you're using an autosave, lion savvy document in the proper applications and everything, like Apple's pages, for example, if you try to save, does it just work the normal way? Are well, you warned that it doesn't have autosave? I think what happens is if it, it, the,
21: it has the autosave, but it doesn't have the versions. So, because they're not saved as you know part of the file on the server, and I think what happens is is that anybody who's working off of a server, or if they have a server at home, they sort of have to learn the ins and outs of this. IT managers will explore uh, the the details of this, and when they're good and ready, they'll understand how it all works, and they'll educate their their staff in the uh, enterprise home users with their MacBook Air in their lap don't need to worry about it very much. So the, the, Apple's philosophy is, is if, you, if you do need to do this advanced stuff, you will learn it and um, you're smart enough to kind of dig in and read the articles
0: and figure it all out. But, but it's supposed to just work. Much- it's not just working if you have to sit back and figure out that autosave is one method on a local file. Autosave is a different method if your file is not local, it's in the cloud, or it's on a server. I know, but Apple
21: has it gets a lot of feedback from Snow Leopard. You know, There's this, uh, I use Little Snitch, and I can see that uh, Apple's collecting information about you know, the use and, and the configuration of my apps. And they get a lot of feedback from customers through those pull-down menus, you know, feedback on the apps. And they're sensitive to that. And I think the biggest problem is, is that um, no matter how hard you try to educate average users, they still screw up and they still lose their work and then they still get mad at Apple. And so Apple figures it's easier to educate highly technical, experienced people than it is to educate these average users who just are befuddled by computers and just want it to work like an iPad and are sick to death of... You know, the nuances that they have to go through with Windows and all those details. So I can understand how Apple's kind of prioritizing and leaning a little bit towards protecting the average user. And us geeks, well, we always know what's going on.
0: We'll figure it out somehow, somehow or other. Okay, so we have multiple Mac OS 10.7.1 versions. But does that matter? Because it just reflects on what particular model you have.
21: Well, I got bit by that myself because okay. I have a, a new MacBook Air. And so I downloaded the 10.7.1 update on my uh, old iMac. And uh, rather than download it again, I just copied it over to the MacBook Air. And when I went to install 10.7.1 on the MacBook Air, I got a uh, note that said that this something to the effect that this volume is not eligible for this update. And my response was, you know, the typical WTF. And uh, so I tweeted about it. And very quickly, somebody came back and said, ah, there's a different version of 10.7.1 for the new Mac Mini and the new MacBook Air, and you have to go get that one specifically. So, at the Mac Observer, we I wrote an article about the four different versions of 10.7.1 in the
0: in the OS 10 Pride of updates. Now, the point is, of course, the easiest way would be to go to Software Update and let Software Update on your Mac, figure out what you need.
21: Well, that would be great, except we've all learned that the best way to do it is to you know download the combo updater, disconnect your USB devices, and be very careful and do this update. I think Assuming that the worst might happen. Uh, yeah, but I think what Apple's telling us now with the way we've installed Lion as an overlay instead of a clean install...
0: Is it um, an overlay? Is it not just replacing everything that's line yeah. specific yeah i think it's an I updater think, it's not so much an overlay
21: well i mean that's what i mean by an updater i mean it's going in and it's it's preserving the things that you need to keep and then replacing every element of, of snow leopard now i may be wrong but i think that's what you have to do if you're going to do an installer like that but the point is is that apple slowly learned that they've got enough reliability in their technology that now we can do updates from the Mac App Store rather than manually downloading a file, moving it between Macs and so on. Although I feel sorry for people who don't have a, a good network connection. They have to use the Mac App Store on each one of their machines and downloading it again each time for each machine. And, and this, why yeah, but you can, it's different?
0: You can take the installer, and this is kind of stupid, I think, on Apple's part. Apple has a installer that you download, and then when you actually do the installation, it trashes the installer.
21: Oh, yeah, you can save
0: that. We and know, you of course. There are a number of yeah. ways to save it. One is yeah. just to make a copy, like an option drag or something, and put it somewhere else so you always have a copy. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, Apple is going to delete that installer. If you need to reinstall Lion, they've got a recovery disk, recovery HD, but that's also confusing because... All it does is boot your Mac in the most minimal system possible. You want to reinstall Lion, they go back to Apple's websites.
21: Right, or you can create uh, your own uh, USB stick that can install it that doesn't require Internet access. And the uh, USB stick that you can now buy in the Apple stores will allow you to install without uh, Internet access as well.
0: By well, the, the way, the port- there's port- a, there's an interesting thing about the USB thumb drive that Apple is selling at $69, $40 more than the Lion download. So you're paying $40 for this USB thumb drive, but it doesn't create this little, tiny, invisible recovery HD partition. You've heard that?
21: I No, I had not heard that.
0: Okay. I had not heard that. So if you want to reinstall, you've got to go back to your USB thumb drive. It's not something that you can do on the computer itself.
21: Right, and there's another problem. There are modes you can get into where if you reinstall Lion uh, the wrong way, it loses its memory of the fact that you bought Lion through the Mac App Store. What do you mean by the wrong way? Uh, I think that if you use the USB flash drive that you buy from the store and reinstall Lion, I'm not sure, Ted Landau's getting ready to write about this, that when you go to the Mac App Store, it'll no longer show Lion as something you purchased. So it's a mess. It's a potential mess. It's
0: It's a bit bit of a beta product, at least in terms of the download, having the first kind of Mac OS installation that's done strictly as an online file. And they've got to fix the loose edges, the exceptions.
21: Here's a big one. A guy says, I go out and I buy a a MacBook Pro. It's got a hard disk. It comes with Lion. It's got the recovery partition. I I go and I, I rip out the uh, hard disk and I put an SSD in because I want more speed. How do I recover Lion on that? I don't have a DVD in the box anymore so that I can reinstall Lion on my SSD
0: MacBook Pro. What do I do? You're supposed to back up everything is what they tell you but then you need a second drive. We'll get into more of the complications in a moment. We have John Martellero of the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. (laughs)
5: If you drive for a living, you don't get paid to stop or wait in line. Keep your wheels moving with PrePass. Bypass way stations. Fly by port of entry facilities. Stay moving at highway speed. While the guy without PrePass waits in line. Save time. Save money. Call 888-401-PASS to try
2: PrePass free. That's 888-401-PASS.
7: Before you
19: throw away your used batteries, you need to listen to this. Now going green can save money. Go green and save money by giving life to your used batteries by charging them with the Renaissance Charger. The Renaissance Charger uses a new revolutionary battery charging technology that effectively extends the life of new batteries and gives new life to used batteries. Invented by legendary audio genius John Bedini, this unique and patented charging system rejuvenates the electrochemical plate structure in the battery without additives. Increasing capacity and maintaining cell integrity. Renaissance Charge offers a full line of products made in the USA for all types and sizes of batteries. Find out why our customers tell us the Renaissance Charger is the only battery charger they will ever use. Save your money. Save the environment. Visit us online at r-charge.com. That's r-charge.com. Or call us at 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Be a part of the revolution today.
20: Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of allicin. Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Alley C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to GarlicHealthProducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to GarlicHealthProducts.com for your Alley C today.
5: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with
12: Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
0: For a couple more segments, John Martellaro of the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. We're in the Tech Night How Live all together now. So let's look at this scenario here. You buy a brand new Mac. Other than the Mac Mini and MacBook Air, which can recover online without having an internal special partition or anything. Now you want to install a replacement drive to the one you have. If you don't have a backup, if you don't have a backup, you're screwed? Or do you call Apple and say, send me a free thumb drive? Well, I, the person who posted that note uh,
21: didn't make any reference to uh, a Time Machine backup. And so during the break, I was thinking what you, I was thinking what you were thinking, and that is that before he installs his SSD, he needs to create a uh, an image, or he needs to do a Time Machine backup, and then put the SSD in, and then do a restore from Time Machine.
0: How do you expect to restore all your data if you don't have a backup? I mean, we understand the operating system is just one small part of it. You have all your own documents. You don't just replace the drive without having a way to have backed it up so you could restore your stuff. That doesn't make well, sense. Well,
21: you can do a complete restore of the OS from the Time Machine, right? So you backed it up from the disk. We so assume,
0: have- then, that you have this backup drive. That's the whole point of it. You have a backup drive, and that backup drive contains everything on it or it doesn't have to be of course time machine it could be super duper something that makes a clone of your drive and all you have to do is use that as your source to restore your computer but apple should provide a usb thumb drive what's it cost to make a usb thumb drive Hmm? exactly
21: it is a mess and i'm getting ready to write about that it's it's an explosion of options and difficulties and scenarios and it just creates uh, too many uh, single point failure avenues for, for customers who are used to things going much better. Not so many versions of the update, having an emergency DVD in their box, this recovery partition, all the different ways that you can recover, creating a, a your own USB line install disk is uh, a tedious process requires a little bit of skill with uh, disc utility boy it's gotten all of a sudden really complicated
0: i'll tell you apple kind of needs to fix up the loose edges (laughs) any other irregularities or issues with lion before we go to another topic no let's move on all right so here's where we go now we have this situation that's occurred in the tech industry here where everybody is suing everybody else. Apple is suing Samsung, who is suing Apple. Apple sued Nokia. Nokia sues Apple, sues Motorola, HTC. So far, nobody's suing Google except for Oracle. And we have the Android OS, which has become pretty popular, although we just heard a story this week that over at Verizon Wireless, where they added the iPhone only this past February, right now the Android OS share is going down fast, being replaced by... The iPhone. Okay. So Google licenses Android as a free, open source mobile operating system. Suddenly though, we have the situation where every company is free to add their own overlays, their own themes, their own bundle apps, and the carriers step in, and that means if you buy a Motorola droid, for example, of some type, you buy an HTC phone using Android or a Samsung phone, you may get three different phones. It's not like buying An iPhone from Verizon or an iPhone from AT&T, where except for the hardware architecture for different types of networks, it's the same phone. You get a different phone. There's no guarantee that you will ever be able to upgrade the operating system. That's up to the carrier to push it to you. In all this, Google looks at the situation. They look at the lawsuits. How do you resolve it? Well, Google would like to have more patents, of course, all right, because more patents means they could be... Able to defend themselves. They can say, okay, well, we have these patents, you have those, let's make a cross licensing deal. Kind of what Apple did with Microsoft years ago. So we never hear problems with Microsoft and Apple because they settled it in a business like fashion. And Nokia and Apple settled their dispute in a business like fashion. Now we have this company, Motorola, a spin off of the original Motorola. Now, at one time, Motorola had oh, this Mo- great, this great cell phone called the StarTAC, a Pioneer, what, 20, 30 years ago, one of the first compact cell phones, I guess from the 1990s, okay, so 10, 15 years ago. Then as a sequel, they came out with the Razer phone, a feature phone, very popular, pretty decent phone. And after that, you know, what happened? Their market share went down. They were spun off as a separate unit called Motorola Mobility is a spin-off. And it's having a lost market share. Market share is going down. They're showing losses financially. So what does Google do? Okay, we got all this money. Here's $12.5 billion. We'll buy Motorola Mobility. Become part of Google. What do you think of that?
21: Well, first of all, we have to remember that this deal is subject to regulatory approval. Um, Google's already being investigated by the government for antitrust Um, activity so uh, it's not guaranteed that the government will approve this merger Um, second we're kind of up in the air about how useful the patents are going to be I've seen some commentary that we don't really know yet whether these Motorola patents are worth it uh, whether they're the LTE and 4G um, how powerful and effective the patents will be Um, That's an issue that's that's still being analyzed. Uh, The third issue is is that um, the decision by Google, even though they hope that uh, they don't piss off their former partners, they have, and it opens the door to Microsoft, uh, who's being steadfast in, in not competing with their partners so it it opens up an amazing door for for Microsoft so I think HTC and Samsung will go running into their arms Uh, fourth um, Google is not an experienced company when it comes to hardware and software integration Uh, it's a bold move Uh, some people think that uh, it's the kind of bold move that Apple would make but uh, and Larry Page, I've read, perhaps, views himself as the next Steve Jobs. But there are concerns about whether the corporate culture of Google is prepared to get into the hardware business. And it could be uh, more than they are uh, prepared to bite off. Um, and... Um, and, and 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 certainly the investors are concerned about Google getting outside its expertise and comfort zone, and Google stock has been has taken some hits. So I've seen a lot of analysis by analysis by the experts, and they're evenly split. Some think it's just a terrible decision by Google. Some people think it's going to put them on the map and, and help them deal with the fragmentation issues, as you mentioned in the introduction developers have a tough time with all these different versions of Android on all these different phones. They throw up their hands trying to certify their apps for all these different versions of Android, and that's a problem. Apple's made it perfectly clear, as you said in the intro, that um, a phone that has hardware and software integration and is is one target for developers to work on. It makes it great for developers and makes a great user
0: experience for customers. Um, So um, I think it's a shot in the dark. Okay, this is so fascinating what's going on here because there are a lot of us who think that Google shot themselves in their big fat foot by making this transaction maybe born of desperation rather than logic and reason and sound business practices. We'll see. Now, of course, since we did our interview with John Mortallaro of the Mac Observer, another key development in the tech industry has occurred. HP is going to emphasize software over hardware. What this means is that the web OS, this is the thing that powers the gadgets they produce when they bought Palm, like the HP touchpad going to be killed. Maybe they'll spin off their PC division. There's a lot of stuff coming out about what happened to HP, why they made that decision. We'll be covering that on future episodes of the show. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live.
2: OpticsPlanet.com is where discerning gun owners and outdoorsmen go to gear up.
4: OpticsPlanet has the best selection of rifle scopes, red dots, night vision, holsters, bags and tactical gear on the planet. With always low prices, free shipping on most orders and expert customer service. Go to OpticsPlanet.com slash GCN to get a free gift with purchase. That's OpticsPlanet.com slash GCN or call 800-332-OPTICS 800-332-6784
19: Democrats, Republicans, have you had enough? Want real change? Then change yourself. Join a new political party formed to liberate the American people from the banksters who have overthrown the Republic. If you agree with maximum liberty, limited government, and traditional morality, then you agree with American Third Position. Get more information now. Call 800 513 4928 or go to A3P.me. That's A, the number 3 me. It's time to take America back.
18: Why is it so many people suffer from so many illnesses today? Why don't doctors know how to help you? Could it be that our doctors don't know how because there's a nutrition solution and they only know about drugs? Over 68 diseases are known to be connected to a deficiency of glutathione. The missing ingredient to increasing your body's production of glutathione is cysteine. Raising your glutathione production protects you from cancer, heart disease, Parkinson's, macular degeneration, lung disease, digestive diseases, diabetes, Alzheimer's, ALS, rheumatoid arthritis, and lupus. Nature's richest source of cysteine is Unheated Whey. Heating can damage much of the cysteine. One World Way is the first undamaged whey protein powder on the market. Using One World Way may support optimal glutathione production, unlike any other food or supplement you've ever taken. Call 888 988 3325. That's 888 988 3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWHEY.com.
5: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live
12: with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
0: We're back with John Martellaro from the Mac Observer dot MacObserver.com. And this final segment of the Tech Night Owl Live this week, we're going to focus on that curious decision, very curious decision on the part of Google to buy Motorola Mobility. And you're going to continue with your commentary, John.
21: Well, what guides me, uh, my opinion on this is, is that I recently read Stephen Levy's book about Google. I read it on my iPad. It starts off with all the cool things that Google was doing on search. And search is an amazingly complex technology. And they've hired some really bright people and they tackled it And they did really well and they got very wealthy. And then the last half of Levy's book talks about all the disasters and mistakes that Google made. And it really kind of opened my eyes about the nature of the company and how they handle these uh, high-tech ventures. And if I hadn't read Stephen Levy's book, I would have thought, um, well, this could be potentially a corporate genius, getting their hardware and software integrated. But having seen the difficulties that that Google has had, its uh, inability to acquire the Nortel patents, its disasters with previous software technologies uh, and security. Uh, Google Plus is doing well, and they've learned their lesson, but... um, I'm not so impressed with Google as I used to be a few years ago. And uh, it's not clear yet that the culture and the experience of the executives at Google are prepared to get into this uh,
0: competition with Apple. uh, There's an interesting thing here we might want to mention, John, and that is that Google at one point tried to bring out a special branded showpiece version of an Android phone contracting HTC to produce a Nexus One that Mm. was an unmitigated disaster. And this is going to an outside manufacturer, not bringing that manufacturing in-house. And where's the synergy between a Motorola Mobility and a Google? What does Google know about building anything but software? Look at Google TV for the answer. That's been a disaster. Sure. With your keyboard on your lap. you know and, That's and Web TV that all over again. All they did was bring back Web, web TV. Google yeah. brings back Web TV. Okay, isn't that terrific? This is yeah. an inventive move on their part. Let's bring back Web TV with a few refinements, and we'll call it Google TV. Isn't that original? And where are going to go, well, there was a product called the Logitech Review for what two or three ninety nine, and they reduced mm-hmm. it to ninety nine dollars because nobody wants it. Right and now, the other thing is mind. too: if you're going to buy a company to be your manufacturing arm, wouldn't you pick a company that was successful? Motorola Mobility is not a successful handset maker; they're losing market share. Why do you bring in a loser? You know, it's like you know you want to get the silk purse from the sow's ear. You take a failure, you make it a success, but you know nothing about it. Also, what happens to the partners? And we know, yeah, that HTC and Samsung say, oh, great, it'll still be available. We're going to continue to make Android phones. (laughs) Meanwhile, we hear a story this week that Samsung is already looking at expanding their own operating system initiative. I wonder why. Norm Augustine, you you, you tickled my
21: fancy there. Norm Augustine, who used to be the CEO of Martin Marietta, a company I worked for, said, If you want to create a silk purse from a sow, you have to start with a silk sow. (laughs) So I don't know that Motorola is the silk sow they were looking for.
0: I think there's a lot of desperation in the decision from Google to make this maneuver. I think it is something that could come back to bite them. Because, as I said, it's going to be a situation where suddenly Google in-house competes with its hardware partners. And so there's going to be the temptation here to give Motorola Mobility the first chance at all the new operating systems. They will show you the unvarnished, unaltered version of Android. You want to get the true Android experience? Go to Motorola, because Samsung and HTC and these other companies, well, they give you their altered version you want the real version, go here. So, so they're, they're going to drop that Google. Android uh, like a hot potato.
21: Yeah. Yeah, they
0: are. And that's going to reduce the market
21: share of Android. The other thing that people haven't discussed is, to some extent, and I don't have any hard numbers on this, but I'm looking at the iPad. Um, Apple has been able to very successfully lock up uh, manufacturing capability uh, chipsets, uh, for uh, many, many tens of millions of iPhones. And and so he, Samsung has its own resources, uh, and, and the market was sort of fragmented, so nobody was really a big player in the, in the, in the uh, Android market. I mean, Android itself as an operating system had big market share, but each individual company uh, didn't. And, and, and now Google has hopes uh, that they're going to have this unified system where the hardware and the software together are going to have huge market share. But what that means is that they have to be able to go and buy these components, the chipsets, in large quantities. And I just have a suspicion that Tim Cook is going to dream up ways to make that difficult for Google. I'm not sure, just a guess.
0: <laughs> I think that Google's going to have a heck of a time making this work. And remember, too, when you have a transaction like this A lot of your development is put on hold because suddenly Motorola Mobility, they have to look at the fact that anything they do is going to be impacted by the decision that will be made when Google takes over. They assume this is going to pass muster, and probably it will because we're not dealing with the largest handset maker. There's not a monopoly situation where Google taking over Motorola Mobility reduces competition in the mobile phone industry because you have so many other big players. So that's not a situation. I think this thing passes muster. But in the meantime, everything's in a holding pattern because why would Motorola today expend money to build new product knowing they're going to be taken over and things might change? And in Google releasing new versions of Android OS, they have to think, how are they going to treat their existing partners? How are they going to treat Motorola Mobility after the transaction goes through? So suddenly... You have that problem, and you have the customers who look at this and say, well, this is kind of an interim product anything now. Why buy it if something totally different is going to happen next year?
21: So I think what we've done is we've just sort of laid out all the difficulties that Google's going to have with this, with this acquisition. Um, I think we made a pretty good case.
0: I tell you, it's going to be a pretty questionable situation coming up. Do you think that ultimately Android's going to suffer real big time as a result of this?
21: Yes, um, I'm not convinced that Google will be able to execute the way Apple has with um, Steve Jobs' expertise, the hardware and software integration, the ease of use, Apple's understanding of the customer. I mean, just look at the difference between the Apple TV and Google TV. You can imagine the difference between, you know, super geeky, Android phones and and Apple iPhones that are a joy to use. I don't see Google being able to compete with Apple on even ground in terms of the quality and the ease of use of the iPhone. Maybe they can pull it off, but they have to prove it
0: to me first. In the long term, this may not be the marriage made in heaven that Google hopes it'll be. Tell our listeners what you got coming up over at the Mac Observer.
21: Well, I'm going to be writing an article about uh, Lion, as we discussed, uh, and all the different ins and outs of different versions, different ways to install, different ways to recover. Uh, I'm going to be writing an article about Autosave, which I think has some redeeming values, and it's, as we discussed earlier in the broadcast, uh, uh, we have to learn how to exploit it, and uh, not reel back in horror too much, and... um, And learn the ins and outs of it. And um, technical users will do that, uh, and the average users will enjoy it because it works like their iPad and it's easy and it keeps them from losing their stuff. So I'll be writing about that. And then I'm going to be looking at um, Outlook. Tell our listeners where they can find more of what you do. And so you can find all this at uh, the
0: Mac Observer, www.macobserver.com. And I'll tell you where you can find more of the stuff that we do over at technightowl.com. That's technightowl.com. And technightowl is the name we use on Twitter. You can also check out our other show about UFOs, things that go bump in the night, the Paracast at paracast.com. That's paracast.com. And as I've said, we've only scratched the surface on the Google Motorola Mobility deal. We'll cover HP and the end of the web OS and more next week. A special thank you. To John martellaro thanks for coming aboard on the Tech Night Owl Live. Indeed it was a pleasure. Next time.
16: The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation
4: of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same
5: bat time, same bat channel.